You're listening to a Weeby Geeks Network podcast. Welcome, everyone, to the soft relaunch of Ari Bell. Before we get into the episode itself, I want to thank you for joining us on this journey. No matter if you are a new listener or a returning listener, thank you so much for taking time out of your day to listen to us. I would also like to remind you that this is a double feature episode. So please stick around after Forever Fat and I wrap up our discussion talking about our top 10 story from Phase 1 of Star Wars canon. Afterwards, we will be playing this panel from Force Fest I did with Jess from Faithful Fangirl, all about celebrating the 15th anniversary of Revenge of the Sith. Without further ado, let's dive in. Hi, this is Ashley Eckstein, voice of Ahsoka Tano and founder of Her Universe, and you're listening to I Rebel, a Star Wars podcast. All right, Corsica Castle is set. Plugging coordinates in now. Just keep your pinky on the yoke. Try not to mess anything up. Whatever you say, my lady. Just let me know when you're ready to jump. Ready and ready. It's just a simple jump to hyperspace, and we're there. What's so tricky about that? Plenty. Can't plot a direct course to Kessel. You have to thread through the Sakata cluster and then pass through the Maelstrom. You done flirting? I'm still ready. You might wanna buckle up, baby. Forgery of Imperial documents. Possession of stolen property. Aggravated assault. State your name for the record. Jin Asa. We have a mission for you. I want to help. Good. The world is coming undone. Imperial flags reign across the galaxy. I fear nothing. All is as the Force wills it. Every day they grow stronger. There isn't much time. I rebel. Welcome everyone to the soft relaunch of Ari Bell. I am your host, Jedi Geek Girl. Before we get started, I'm sure we have some new listeners in addition to those of you who followed us over from Star Wars Destiny. Because of that, I would like to take this time out to share who I am and what Ari Bell is. As I mentioned during my intro, my name is Jedi Geek Girl. I have been podcasting for the past four years and I have over 175 podcast episodes underneath my belt. I became a Star Wars fan in 1996 watching the original 1995 THX VHS releases of the Star Wars original trilogy. I have been a fan ever since then, but I have really started to dive in deep in 2016, starting with The Force Awakens and the reboot of canon. Both jump-started my fandom, and even though Rise of Skywalker shook that fandom to its core, I remain here, a obsessed-consumed-everything-possible passionate fan. When it comes to I Rebel, I Rebel is a podcast series that has been around for the past three years. It started with a focus on Star Wars Destiny and originated with the idea to defy the notion that I cannot do this, hence the title. We focus on a one-on-one or three-way discussion with rotating guests. After the conclusion of Star Wars Destiny, we are carrying that over into focusing on just Star Wars, starting with this episode. The structure of this show will be a mixture between our old layout and our miniseries Beyond the Game. 
If you would like to listen to more episodes prior to this one that focuses just on Star Wars, I highly recommend listening to episode 80, 83, 86, 89, 91, 92, and 94. Three of those episodes even feature our guests. Speaking of which, let's dive right into the show proper. Joining me for this episode is someone who is obsessed as I am when it comes to Star Wars, and who is also a good friend of the show. From Elbert Gaming, Forever Fett. Hi, yeah, thank you. Thank you for having me on. Um, Obsessed with Star Wars probably doesn't even begin to cover it, right? But yeah, no, I definitely love Star Wars, and I am not only a friend of the show, but a huge fan of the show. I think you do excellent work, and I am excited to be here talking about Star Wars. I really appreciate not only your friendship, but your support for the show. And even though we are so different when it comes to a Star Wars opinion, I love picking your brain. I love having you on. I know you've been on the show before, but it's such an honor having you back on the show for a relaunch. It's such an honor to be on, and I this is going to be my favorite topic to discuss. Like you said, I know you agree, but I respect your opinion a lot. I love hearing your opinions. They're always well thought out and well developed. I think you really connect to Star Wars on a level it's meant to connect, which is on a personal level, as do I, and I love it. Yeah, and I mean, the topic of today's episode is something that's near and dear to my heart, and I love answering questions like this, so I'm very excited to be here. Even though you have been on the show before, we are relaunching the show, so we have to reintroduce you. So starting at the beginning, can you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself and how you got into Star Wars? So my first exposure to Star Wars is the same as yours with those VHS tapes. I mean, I still to this day have the wrinkled boxes from how many times I took them. I probably watched those as a kid a hundred times. But the real launch into my extended Star Wars fandom, and I think I can confidently say I've been a fan since I was 10 years old, was a book called Tales of the Bounty Hunters. The second I read that book, and another book called Tales from Jabba's Palace and Tales from the Moss Eisley Cantina, I discovered an entire world beyond a screen. It was my first time in my life watching something or seeing a character or knowing that there was just so much more to the beloved characters I found on the screen. So much more to Luke Skywalker or Han Solo or a bounty hunter in dinged up armor or a guy in a black mask. I mean, just so much more depth to the characters. And it was so amazing to realize that depth. And ever since then, I've just been a tremendous, obsessive, collect everything that comes out fan of the original extended universe. And I'm a tremendous fan of the current canon. So I mean, I just love Star Wars to the core. Another memory I'll share is that when the Decipher card game came out, I still remember to this day, the first 60-pack structure deck I bought had a Darth Vader card in it. Pretty much ever since then, too, I've been into Star Wars gaming and just all things Star Wars. So Star Wars has been a huge part of my life, like I said, since basically I could make memories that I could remember. So it's been amazing. Uh, As far as podcasting, I've been doing it for about two years, mostly talking about the game Star Wars Destiny, but... It's been an opportunity for me to connect with people such as yourself, uh, huge Star Wars fans on a level, you know, that's just been outstanding. So I just had a blast. And like I said, bottom line, I just love Star Wars. I highly recommend those three Tales books, because I think those are some of the Legends books that still stand up compared to some other ones that maybe don't stand up quite as well. So I highly recommend them. Those three ones are pretty good. I'm kind of jealous because, you know, I didn't dive into the EU like you did at your age, but. Yeah, I definitely recommend our listeners check them out if they haven't. Yeah, I highly recommend them as well. And those stories are small little short stories about characters you see in the film that are just an excellent introduction into a larger universe without going too deep into the larger universe. In a further effort to have our listeners to get to know you better, we are bringing back our shotgun questions in a new form. Are you ready? 
I'm ready. Let's do it. First question. What is your favorite Star Wars film? My favorite Star Wars film is Empire Strikes Back, episode five. Next question. Who is your favorite character? Oh, that one's pretty easy if anyone knows me or they heard you give my screen name that I use, but it's Boba Fett. Third question. What is your favorite Star Wars book? My favorite Star Wars book, I can't pick just one, but I'll give you the trilogy, which is the Bounty Hunter Wars, again, centering on my favorite character, Boba Fett. We are almost done. If you could meet anybody that has worked on or it's in Star Wars, living or dead, who would that be? Dave Filoni. I would love to shake that man's hand. I love Dave Filoni. Enough easy questions. Our last question, if you were to be transported to the Star Wars universe, what air would it be? What species would you be? What would your home planet be? And what would your profession be? Oh, that's tough. Um, (laughs) Let's see. I would like to be in the post-Return of the Jedi era, immediately after the destruction of the Death Star. I would like to be a rebel pilot. Planet of origin, uh, there's so many good planets. Probably I'd like to be from like Coruscant and have come to the realization that the Empire is bad and like wanting to do my part. Was there another question there I missed? What species? Oh, uh, what species? Um, I'd probably be, what's one of my favorite species? Like my quick answer is human, but I'm trying to think of a good alien species I'd like to be that I think would be pretty cool. But I'll just go with human for now because I can't think of another species that I would really, really enjoy being. Yeah, let's go with let's go with human. Those were great answers, but it is now time to dive into our show proper. Hello, Rebels. Forever Fett here. This show is made possible through the generous donations of everyone who is a patron of iRebel. It is the pledges of those patrons and you, the listening audience, that makes iRebel work. If you'd like to find out more information about rewards you can get, as well as how you can play a part in iRebel, please check out patreon.com slash iRebelDestiny for more information. I myself am a proud patron of iRebel, and I'm happy to share my love of iRebel with you by telling you all about their Patreon page. So check it out, and if you like what you see, become a rebel by becoming a patron of iRebel. Back to you, Jedi Geek Girl. Before we get started, I do want to say that I did take the idea of our topic from Star Wars Explains. They had a video on this topic, and please go check out Alex and Molly's YouTube channel. They do great content, and they put out great videos. They are also great members of the Star Wars community. Our topic for this episode is our top 10 stories from Phase 1 of Star Wars canon. What is Phase 1? Phase 1 for me is all the canon stuff since the reset in 2014 till the conclusion of 2019 and the Rise of Skywalker. This is going to be interesting because I know without even knowing what your list is, that we are going to have two somewhat different lists and we are going to have two very different opinions. But I also think we are a lot alike and it will reflect that in our list. So without further ado, let's kick this off with our honorable mention. Fet, what is your honorable mention? My honorable mention is The Last Jedi. You talked about the differences in our opinion and this is going to be probably the first one, but that film... It's an honorable mention for me, and I would really put it at number 11, because to me, I enjoy the sequel trilogy from start to finish, and I think The Last Jedi is such an important part about it. Although it didn't hit for me, and I'm certainly someone who's criticized in the past, I really applaud the risks that Rand Johnson took making that film. 
I really do appreciate the character development of Kylo Ren throughout that, who is my favorite sequel trilogy character. So I just want to give a shout out to honorable mention of The Last Jedi, because I still think it is a key piece of the Star Wars canon. Like I said, if I I was making a list, it would probably come in at number 11. I am so shocked. Like right now, my jaw is on the floor because I did not see that coming. I did not expect you to say anything positive about it. And it coming as an honorable mention, I am quite shocked, honestly. Like I said, I I know I have strong feelings about it, and I don't want to hijack to go into it too deeply. But uh, it is a movie that's important in the Star Wars ethos. I don't want it completely undone. The things that happen in that movie are important to the overall story. So for me, I would feel remiss if I didn't mention that in a list of this magnitude, right? Because its significance to the sequel trilogy and to the Star Wars universe that we stand in today, it's of huge significance. So I just think it's important to give it that honorable mention. My honorable mention is Darth Vader Series 2. This is the comic series done by Charles Souls that takes place immediately after Revenge of the Sith. I love Charles Souls' work, and I thought this was a great story telling the story of Vader saying no. From the end of Revenge of the Sith to yes, you dive into a bit of the dark period. You dive into not only Vader hunting down the Jedi, but you see the Inquisitors. I thought this was a great character study. Also, this was the genesis of Vader's castle. You had Lord Mormon. It was just such a fascinating series. And it really dived into not only Vader, but the Force. Like the last arc on Musafar with Vader's castle and Lord Mormon, it's borderline trippy, but it's really insightful of the story and the characters. And like I said, it's a pretty simple story about Vader saying no to yes to accepting his faith, but I thought it was really well done and really deep, and that is my honorable mention. Fair enough. I think that's a great piece of work, and it's super important to the universe. What is your number 10? My number 10 is a novel called Alphabet Squadron. And the reason this is so important for me as a story in the Star Wars universe is it just really connects me to the canon I used to know and just gives me so full of hope for just additional characters in the Star Wars universe and starts to hint at the details of what happens post. I just feel in the canon currently we're like missing a lot of the post-Return of the Jedi pre-Force Awakens piece of the puzzle to understand the full galactic scope of the story. And this starts to slide in there and give us some of the happenings there. As you heard from my shotgun answers, I have a real soft spot for pilots. I love this story, and I'm really excited for the direction this novel's going. That book really didn't really land with me the same way that you did, but I also acknowledge that it tells a story and stories that have been missing from canon, not only post-Return of the Jedi with those rebels hunting down the Imperials. Yeah, we got a little bit of that in the Aftermath series, but the pilot idea itself, yeah, it didn't really connect with me, but I do admit that it's kind of nice having that into canon because for the last five years, it really felt like canon was missing that aspect of Star Wars. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And like I said, it's just, it's storytelling mechanisms aren't my favorite in the Star Wars canon, but I just think it's such a pivotal piece for what it means to that canon, like you were saying. My number 10 is the Ahsoka novel. I absolutely love Ahsoka. I love everything about it. I know that this story is smaller. It's a lot more character-based. Before the Siege of Mandalore, this was the first insight into the Siege of Mandalore. So I really connected with it. I really love the conflict that Ahsoka has with, you know, she's out on her own and she's hiding. 
And she starts the beginning of the book like that. And then she ends the book with not only accepting who she is, but becoming Fulcrum and who she becomes in Star Wars Rebels. So I really love this book. I listened to it twice already. I'm sure I will do it a third time. It's not that hard of a book. It's not that long of a book. I really love this book. Yeah, I mean, I thought it was a great novel. I I definitely enjoyed it. And kind of what you hinted at, Ahsoka is another piece of the canon that I want more of. I want to know, and the Siege of Mandalore specifically is something I'm very curious about and excited to learn about. But uh, I do want more Ahsoka content. And I think it was great that they went and kind of revisited that character, didn't get her chance in Legends content. So it was great to see them go after some depth to Ahsoka and what she had been up to during the events of what we've already seen. Moving on to our number nine, what is your number nine? So my number nine is Rise of Skywalker. Now, I'm a big fan of Rise of Skywalker, and some people know me might be surprised to see it this low on my list. For me, it does have some flaws, although I really did enjoy it. I enjoyed the way it wrapped up the sequel trilogy. There are other endings that are possible that I would have enjoyed potentially more, but I do like Rise of Skywalker a lot. I just love where it leaves us off with, again, I loved the formation of the New Republic back in the Legends canon. It was some of my favorite reading. So I'm excited for the formation of what's next in the galaxy. And that's probably my favorite part about Rise of Skywalker. It's a blank palette where we go from there. So I'm just super excited to kind of see what comes next. I'm hoping that we get something, but what comes next post Rise of Skywalker. But there are are eight stories that I think are more important to the canon than Rise of Skywalker. I am really surprised that this film is so low on your list just because you did really enjoy it compared to me. If anybody want to listen to my opinion, they can listen to a previous podcast where I talked about it. But yeah, I, I really expected this to be a little bit higher up on your list. Well, I mean, Star Wars is like pizza, right? It's all good. But yeah, no, I really struggled when I was making this list where to put Rise of Skywalker and how to kind of rank it with the other films, because there's some moments here in Star Wars coming up towards the top that are just really connect to me personally and are really, my top five feels like it had to be my top five. It was really hard to find a place for it. And honestly, the next three, I could have, I did mix around on this list a couple of times. So yeah, it's a little low, but I did really enjoy it. I like the appropriate ending. I've already watched it a couple more times since it was released on home video. But for me, it's only the ninth best Star Wars story of the current canon. My number nine is Bloodline. I absolutely love Claudia Gray. I love all her work. I love Leia. I love politics in Star Wars, how it is done in Star Wars. And this book really dove into that. It did start a little bit slow with the politics, but it dives into the story of I should probably mention now that there's probably going to be a lot of spoilers in this episode. So, But this book right here is based around the idea that the galaxy does not know that Vader is Leia's father. And what happens when the galaxy finds that out? It is also based around the idea that the Republic is trying to unite under a first senator and become more unified because you have two political parties that aren't working together and you also have the first order in the background is really good. It's really powerful. This is another book that I also read slash listened to twice. I remember reading it and really enjoying it, but then I re-listened to it a couple years later, and the moment that Leia is revealed to be Vader's daughter, and that conversation that Bell has with his daughter beyond the grave is so powerful. Not to mention you have another character. I I can't really pronounce his name, 
but the senator who idealized the ideas of the empire, but not the emperor himself. His journey, it's just, this book is amazing. I absolutely love it. It's one of those books that every time that I read it, I forget how good it actually is. Yeah, I mean, I loved Bloodlines, and I would agree with you. One of the best excerpts from New Star Wars is that scene where she interacts with Bale. That's a really powerful scene, and you can really relate to Leia, and it really brings her character kind of down to earth and makes her so relatable throughout that entire novel. I think Claudia Gray is an excellent author, and I'm excited for everything she's got coming up in the universe. I think she does excellent work, and I also am a huge fan. I think Bloodlines is an excellent, excellent read. And uh, it it was one of the, if I'm not mistaken, one of the first novels come out during this time period, and I I really did enjoy it. Yeah, it was. It was the first sequel trilogy uh, book, because it takes place five to six years before the sequel trilogy. Right. No, it is is an excellent, excellent read and a must-read for people getting into the new canon. Moving on to our number eight. What is your number eight? All right, so we're going to have a little run of movies here, but my number eight is The Force Awakens. Obviously, its importance in the Star Wars canon is immense. It gives us so many new characters, from Finn to Poe to Rey to all the new characters, see what Leia, Luke, Han, all of them, Chewbacca, have been up to. I know that there was a little regurgitation of story, potentially, but I really did enjoy it. I think it was a great film. I did like the things J.J. Abram, the mysteries he set up in that film. And yeah, I think Force Awakens is a huge part of the Star Wars universe. Like I said, the reason I don't have it higher on the list again is because I'm coming at it from what is the story's place in the entire universe. And I really did enjoy Force Awakens. And obviously it's the first film in the sequel trilogy, but it just comes down a little lower because I just saw a little bit of flaws with it. And truthfully, I've been hoping for a sequel to Return of the Jedi since I was like (laughs) 12 years old, right? There may be some things I had hoped for that didn't occur in this movie. And Honestly, it's hard for me because when this came out, as we talked about earlier, I had such an expansive knowledge of the Legends canon. So, of course, there were things I hoped for that I didn't get. So that's kind of why it doesn't crawl up the list further. But I do think it was an excellent movie. And I really do like the characters that were introduced to us, especially Poe Dameron and Kylo Ren are my two favorite sequel trilogy characters. You know, I cannot disagree with that. Spoiler alert, The Force Awakens is not on my list. But I do think it was a perfect restart of Star Wars. It had a lot of potential. Like, people always have opinions about The Last Jedi and Rise of Skywalker, but uniformly, this film is considered to be a decent jumping up point into canon, stuff like that. So, I echo a lot of what you said. It's not on my list, but yeah, it's a great choice for your number eight. My number eight, and I'm going to cheat here, but everything tied to Dr. Aphra. Her comic, her first appearance in Vader, her short story to her cameos in other comics. I absolutely love her. She first started off as a female Indiana Jones underneath Vader, kind of mirroring that Padawan master relationship with Ahsoka, and she is going to become so much more. She's her own character. She is a big bag of chaos. She's always seeking that next adventure and next treasure, and she's not afraid to throw you underneath the bus and her friend, and she even threw, spoiler alert, her lover to the wolves to make sure that she accomplished her goal. She is accompanied by a great cast of supporting characters, Triple Zero, BT, and the uh, Wookiee Bounty Hunter. Dr. Afra is an excellent character that's given to her in Star Wars. The reason, so I beat myself a little bit about her, so spoiler alert, she's not on my list of any of her stories. I think she's an excellent inclusion to the canon. I think Disney really pushes the boundaries of 
what a character can be in the Dr. Aphra comics. The reason she's not on my list is one, that's not my favorite way to consume Star Wars. So this is kind of embarrassing to admit, but I'll say it. If I didn't play a card game where she was a card, I may not have known about Dr. Aphra. So I had to try and kind of look at it through that lens that she wouldn't be on my normal list of consumption and make this kind of thing. But that being said, I have explored Dr. Aphra. And I think the way between her interactions with her lover, the droids, the various comic relief characters throughout, the personalities of the supporting characters, the way she gives Vader depth and some of the other things, she's an excellent character. And I'm just very hopeful that she somehow finds her way into another form of media. She would be a great character to make the transition from written media to live action. I think she would be a great character to base a TV show around for me. And I know this is a little bit different, but she falls into that Mara Jade category where she transitions from a popular character in the expanded universe that can transcend into popular culture. And even though she's not at the same level of a Mara Jade, to me, she has that crossover potential where even people who don't read her comics know who she is. And I would love to see her in a live action TV show. I think if Disney and Lucasfilm was brave enough to greenlit the show, I think it would be a great success. I think it would be an amazing success. And I think it would be so good to get that character. And I, I would even say to an animated show as well. It doesn't even have to be live action. Just to get that character on screen and expose the different things in the fandom to Dr. Afra and expand upon her stories would be excellent because I think she's an amazing character who does some things in the Star Wars universe that we haven't seen before. You nail it on the head with the Indiana Jones. Kind of that exploration and some of the things and adventures she goes on are kind of stuff that we haven't seen before on screen, but like these miniature conflicts as opposed to the Galactic Conflict. I think she would be excellent in the same form as The Mandalorian, where it's the adventure of the week with Dr. Aphra. Not only that, but because she is an archaeologist, it is a great way to backdoor introduce a lot of stuff pre-Republic. Like, you can have artifacts from the old Republic era, and it's a great way to introduce your general audience to that era, and the fact that there was a culture and generations of people before then without actually telling a story in that era. So that's another reason. And I do want to say before we move on to our number seven that, yeah, she did start off as a female Indiana Jones, but she has become so much more, especially in her standalone series, her conflict with her love interest and her conflict with herself. And I, I cannot wait for it. Yeah, I absolutely love her. But yeah, she's definitely one of my favorite, not only canon Star Wars characters, but favorite Star Wars character in general. Yeah, no, she's excellent. And I, I agree. She is so much more than Indiana Jones. So, I mean, she is, adventure she gets to and how she interacts with different parties that we already know of, it's just amazing. So, yeah, I do hope we see more of Dr. Aphra, and I hope we see Dr. Aphra in a commercially available format. Moving on to our number seven, what is your number seven? So, this is probably one that didn't make your list, I'm guessing, but maybe I'm wrong. This is a novel that I really like, but the community response to is sometimes not, they're not a huge fan of, but I think it's an incredible story and really important. That's Phasma, the novel about Phasma. I love this novel, and I think this origin story is amazing, and there are so many characters in the sequel trilogy that deserve an origin story. Phasma's role in The Force Awakens The Last Jedi was so confusing because she was menacing, and she was and the actress, Gwendolyn Christie, is a commanding presence, and she kind of just like loses twice to Finn and kind of you know, not difficult defeats. And it's the depth that she gets in this. This is what I love about Star Wars. What I love about Star Wars in a sentence or less is that when you see a character on screen for 30 seconds, they could have 10,000 pages of backstory. And this is the first hint of this I saw in the current canon. 
and I absolutely love it. I love this novel. I love Phasma. Like, I feel like I'm giving a commercial for it right now, but I think this novel was so good. I don't hate the book. My issue with the book is I don't really care for that post-apocalyptic setting. The name of the movie franchise is escaping me right now. I was hoping to find it before you came back to me. That is my issue with the book. I don't really care for that doomsday post-apocalyptic setting. But I absolutely love the part between Cardinal and Five. Yeah, it is a little bit like a Divergent or Hunger Games type feel in that dystopian future post-apocalyptic world. And I do agree with that. That's kind of Star Wars borrowing from what's very current in young adult fiction right now is that kind of setting. So I do agree that that's a little odd place for Star Wars to go. I just really enjoyed, I hope Cardinal gets more, but I love Cardinal, but I, I do love that story and, and the way different characters introduced and how it gave Phasma so much depth that was just missing in the film trilogy. I agree 100%. And like I said, I think the book is well written. I think the author does a great job. I think she's a really good writer. The movie that I was looking for is Mad Max. I don't really care for that type of setting and that type of film. I don't think, like I said, my issue with the book is more or less the setting, the main setting of the story, not so much the fact that it's poorly written or it doesn't have characters that I love it. I do rank it pretty low on my list, but that's only just because the setting. I think if you remove that, I absolutely love the story. And I don't know if you read Black Spire yet, but Black Spire is a sequel to this book. So yeah, there's more that, how do I put this? It's complicated with the book, but I don't hate it. I know I rank it low, but I don't hate it at all. Yeah, and like I said, I, I actually agree with your criticism of the setting, that it distracts a little bit from the story. And I completely agree with that. For me, an origin story just really hits home. And I thought this was the best origin story that we've gotten to date in Star Wars canon. My number seven is Rebels. And I set the whole series because... I'm not just going to pick one story. I mean, obviously, Twilight of the Apprentice is number one. World Between Worlds is another one. The series finale is another one. Twin Suns is another one. But I picked the whole series because I'm not just going to pick one story. If you're going to put a gun to my head and make me pick, it's going to be Twilight of the Apprentice. But yeah, everything rebels. The beginning to the end, all the characters, Sabine, Ezra, Kanan, Zeb, Chopper, here, these are names that go beyond just the show and the show has a lot more to it than just a show directed towards children yeah i absolutely love it and i had to pick the whole show because you're not going to make me pick one story from it yeah i mean spoiler alert rebels is on my list i think this might be the first one where we've agreed but the rebels is definitely on my top 10 list i'll go into it more when we get to that number spoiler it's gonna be a couple minutes here before we get to that number i'm very high up on rebels but I love Rebels, and I, I can't agree with you. Picking one story wouldn't do it justice. That is an excellent animated series. I mean, like I said, if I could meet one person, it'd be Dave Filoni. My dude Dave there, he just knocked it out of the park. That is great from start to finish. It is an excellent inclusion in the canon. I absolutely love Star Wars Rebels. Moving into our number six, what is your number six? So my number six is another novel set between The Last Jedi and Rise of Skywalker, and it's Resistance Reborn. And I absolutely love this novel. So you said earlier, you're surprised to see Last Jedi on my list. My favorite part about Last Jedi is it sets up this world where it's a couple of people against the First Order, whatever that means. But to me, there was one question I had, where is everybody else? Because everybody else in the galaxy is most certainly not a First Order supporter. And Resistance Reborn, where they go out and find them, and they find some of the characters I love and grew up with. Again, it gives depth to one of my favorite characters. I think. 
I know we have the entire Ben Solo, Kylo Ren, Rey storyline, but I love the growth of Poe Dameron from Force Awakens through Rise of Skywalker. And his personal journey might be my favorite part of Rise of Skywalker. Without this book, I probably wouldn't have enjoyed Rise of Skywalker as much. But this book was so good to me. And another thing that's really important to this, this book to me serves as the best companion piece to a film. Again, the original Star Wars canon gave us so much that served as an excellent companion piece. And I just really feel like this enhances both The Last Jedi and Rise of Skywalker so much that it's it's not the top novel on my list, but it is really high up there. And I loved Resistance Reborn. I absolutely love this book. It is not on my list just because my ranking was based on what I love and what I connect with. I don't hate this book. I absolutely love this book. I think this book is one of the best canon books to date. Not only does it tell a great story, but it is a love letter to extended canon up to this point, something that a lot of the books in extended canon were missing. Like you had nods to the Aftermath trilogy. You had nods to Battlefront 2 and more. That if you are a huge fan of the extended canon, there's a bunch of pieces for you. I absolutely love this book. Spoiler, it is not on my list. But yeah, I definitely think it is like a culmination of canon today. And I hope we get more books like this where it brings everything together. And Rebecca, who is the author of the book, really did her research. And it was really nice to see. And like I said, canon has been missing. But hopefully we get more books like it. I couldn't agree more. My number six is a film. It's a film that I find myself falling more and more in love with as more time goes on. I don't know if it's going to go up my rank, but it's a very emotional movie. It is a timeless movie, and it's a movie that many consider to be the best of this era. And of course, that is Rogue One. I absolutely love Jin Erso. I love the characters. I love how this film fits into the original trilogy, but also is separate from it. I think it did a great job of complementing episode four, but also being its own thing. And like I said, spoiler alert, I love stories with emotions. If I cannot connect emotionally with a story, I'm not going to connect with it and I'm not going to enjoy it. And this one, I really connect with emotionally and I absolutely love this film. It's not my favorite film of this era, spoiler alert, but yeah, it's timeless and it's a film that. For a lot of people, it's aging really, really well. So I'll spoil alert my stuff now. Rogue One is my favorite film in this era. I'm not going to say any more because being in my favorite film of this era, it is absolutely on this list. But I agree with what you said about Rogue One. And I absolutely love Rogue One. And I can't wait till we get further along. And I can tell you all what I think about Rogue One. Then let's move right along to a number five. What is your number five? So this choice, I know that not a lot of people are going to agree with. But I loved Solo. A Star Wars adventure so much. I am so sad that people didn't go out in forces and seen in theaters and we didn't get more, but I really enjoyed the story of Han Solo. And I really enjoyed this idea of exploring kind of characters in different settings and areas than we saw them in the main Skywalker saga. The precedent that this sent and the characters introduced with Kira or Dryden Voss and Dryden's Voss tie into spoiler, 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 Darth Maul at the end. I really loved Solo and it was kind of a fun paced. Personally, I love buddy cop movies, right? I love the 80s, early 90s buddy cop movies. And this was kind of like that, like swashbuckling buddy cop type adventure for me, where they're going around gunslinging, you know, Woody Harrelson's character, Tobias Beckett, excellent. I really, really enjoyed this movie. And it really just hit home on my personal sense of humor. And it kind of tied in Star Wars. And ironically, I felt very connected to this movie. I really enjoyed it. And I know that a lot of people didn't. 
but I really did love Solo. And I, I really like the idea of Star Wars Adventure. So for me, it ranks very highly because I thought it was a really important piece and kind of a different cinematic piece of the Star Wars universe. Solo is not on my list. However, it is a film that I'm learning to appreciate. It isn't really for me. There's a lot of stuff in it that I really don't care for per se, but that doesn't mean it is a bad film. It doesn't mean I really hate the film. It is something that I'm learning to appreciate. I do appreciate it because it is a story that has been missing again from Star Wars, and I can appreciate what it gives to people who really do enjoy it. It is also a film that is, again, separate from the Skywalker saga. It still relates to it, but it's, you can still like separate it and stuff like that. And it has moments in it that are memorable that I really do enjoy. Like I love Lando and it's not going to go up on my list of where I rank it and stuff like that. But that doesn't mean that it doesn't have things that I appreciate and I enjoy. I can just turn it on and laugh and have fun. But yeah, I'm not surprised, but also I don't hate it. That's for sure. My number five is a book and that book is Dark Disciple. Dark Disciple is a story that when the Clone Wars was canceled, was originally going to be a series of episodes, and it focuses on the conclusion of Ventress' Clone Wars story. It is also a story that features romance, and it's also a story that dives into the further corruption of the Jedi Order. It basically starts with the Jedi Order talk to Quinlan Voss to get him to try to go undercover to eventually assassinate Dooku. Spoiler alert, he doesn't. And when he does, he stumbles across Asajj Ventress, who is a bounty hunter at that point in time. And I don't want to get too much further into the story, but I highly recommend watching it. It's very emotionally charged. And yeah, I really did enjoy this book, and I highly recommend it. It's also a book that I don't think a lot of people have read, that they should. I love Dark Disciple and the kind of like conflicted romance between Quinlan Boss and Asajj Ventress where he knows it's wrong, but he generally feels for what Asajj has been through. And the he can kind of see how if a different path had been taken, it forks on the road, how she'd be a different person and his willingness to commit to her and, and see things the way she sees things. It is a book that relates extremely well on an emotional level. I do wish that we got those episodes of Clone Wars for sure. But I, I agree that that is an excellent, excellent work. Didn't make my top 10 list. But I do love Dark Disciple. It's an excellent story and definitely a really fitting kind of conclusion and wrap up for Asajj and, you know, because she's an excellent character in Clone Wars. Absolutely. I love her to death. But moving on to a number four, what is your number four? All right. So number four is my last novel on the list. It is my favorite novel about one of my favorite characters from both canon, legends, all over the place. And that novel is Thrawn. There are some things, and you'll probably never hear me say this, that I actually prefer the way they did this novel in the new canon than the old, which is crazy because I almost never side that way. I love Eli Vanto that was introduced in this novel and the perspective he gives to both the Imperial Navy and Grand Admiral Thrawn. But I love this book. I think this is an excellent story. I think it's great depth to kind of the, not the origins of Thrawn, but the origins of Thrawn as an Imperial officer. I think it's excellent to see the inner workings and politics at play in the Empire. I love this novel. I can't say enough. And I think if you were going to tell me, I'm only going to read one novel for the rest of my life in the new canon, I would absolutely tell anyone who asked me that question, you should read Thrawn. Yeah, I definitely agree. I definitely love this book. It is not spoiler in my top 10, but I still think it still offers a lot. And it's one of those books that I think if I go back over and over again, I think I discovered this when I went back for an episode when we talked about it, that it still has a lot more to offer. And I like this. No, I love the canon approach to Thrawn, and 
I definitely agree with everything you said. It's not my favorite novel, and it's not on my top ten list, but yeah, I absolutely think it's one of the best books in canon. My number four is also a novel. It might be a little bit low for people who know me, but my number four is Lost Stars. What can I say about Lost Stars? Lost Stars has everything, and in my opinion, it's the perfect jumping off point into extended canon itself because it tells a unique story with new characters. However, the setting it takes, it connects with everything that you know, and it intertwines. You might think, okay, it is a young adult book about romance, about these two individuals on these opposite sides. I don't know if you're noticing here, but romance is coming up a lot on my list. But anyways, you have these two individuals from two different sides, and they are conflicted in their ideals and their affiliation, but they're constantly drawn together. And as they are intertwining and interacting with characters that we know and love, such as Tarkin, Mon Mothma, Han Solo makes an unannounced appearance in the book. It's a fantastic story, and it takes place 10 years from A New Hope all the way up to the Battle of Jakku. This is the first time we actually saw the Battle of Jakku, at least from the story perspective. I think it was in Battlefront 1 a little bit, but this was the first time we really saw that. And yeah, again, Claudia Gray. I absolutely love her, and I love this book. Yeah, this book was excellent. I love this novel as well, and I actually love a good romance story as well. I'm a sucker for that kind of thing. And I thought this was excellent with its galactic kind of spanning all different aspects of it. The reason I didn't have it on my top 10 list is it does focus a lot on character development, less giving me new elements to those stories. It just kind of included those stories. So for me, I'm always looking for more details. And this is one of the earlier novels in canon, especially like in the Sweetle trilogy kind of world. And I just wanted more from it, but I did really enjoy it. And I, I do think she's an excellent writer and the way she presents these characters and the conflicts and the way they can still interact with each other, but, you know, be on opposite sides and stuff is really, really well done. Moving on to our number three. What is your number three? All right, so my number three is one of the more recent stories in the Star Wars universe, and that is The Mandalorian. I absolutely love The Mandalorian for a whole myriad of reasons. Uh, obviously, I like Boba Fett. I like The Mandalorian storyline. I kind of like that Mandalorians have persisted in so many different formats, separate than the Skywalker saga. Like, we first had Boba Fett, then we had Jango Fett. Then we had Sabine and we had the Mandalores and Satine and Bo-Katan and Clone Wars. And we've got those characters again in Rebels. Like Mandalorians as a theme and as a group have touched every single aspect of canon, it feels like, which is amazing to me. Secondly, I just love this idea that we could have this kind of space western thematic down on the ground, boots on the ground type feel to a show where the conflict isn't as grand a scale. It's simply between a bounty hunter and his primary antagonists and him protecting Baby Yoda, which is like the most adorable thing ever. I really enjoy the storytelling. I think the last two episodes are two of my favorite Star Wars episodes of anything to ingest. I just love The Mandalorian. I thought it was an amazing addition to this whole new world of live action streaming Star Wars television consumption. I think it's going to be of historic proportions in the Star Wars universe, and I absolutely love it. The Mandalorian, for anybody who has listened to my previous episodes or follow me on Twitter, is not on my list. It's definitely not something that I am in love with. Kind of like Solo, I can see what it does and I can appreciate it, but it has a lot of aspects that turn me off of it. I also know that there is a lot of stuff in there for potential in the future, and I do think that is one of those things that should be a cornerstone of Star Wars moving forward, as well as something that should be put out for people that hasn't been there 
since then, but it's still, it, it's kind of, it's complicated for me because there are episodes in the show that I really love. Like, I love episodes three. I love episode seven. I love episode four. But there is just a lot more for the show to offer me, for me to really love it. But I also look at it like, it's kind of like The Force Awakens for me. It has to be this one thing before it can really expand. And we know that Filoni does this. I mean, look at the first season of The Clone Wars and look at the first season of Rebels. So I'm optimistic about the future. I'm sure once we get to like season two, three, four, I do think it will go beyond because I do think it should be this cornerstone of Star Wars moving forward despite my issues with it. But I do think that once we get beyond the first season, I do think it will expand into other areas that I love. I know that I'm not really, I have a lot to say about this, but even though I'm not really drawn to the character, uh, the main character, and I, I love Baby Yoda, but I also think that he's a little bit, I, I people are going to hate me, but I do think he's a little bit overrated. But I absolutely love the connective tissue to the Mandalorian lore. I love the connective tissue to the origin of the Mandalorian, and that's what I want to see more of. I, I want to see more connective tissue to Again, this is why I love Rebels, this is why I love the Clone Wars and Resistance, is these things take place in a certain time, but they don't take place outside of Star Wars, if that makes any sense. It takes place in a universe that is connected to everything, not not just one period. I'm sure we will see more of that moving forward, but yeah, so it's complicated, but I can definitely see and appreciate what Mandalorian is and what it gives and does for the Star Wars community. Yeah, and I just want to kind of elaborate on one thing you're saying there. It is like a blank palette, too. Like, the Mandalorian could encounter any one of the characters we know and love, and that's amazing for me, too. Like, who knows who he'll encounter next? And I think that's an excellent kind of thing to look forward to on a weekly basis with those episodes. Yeah, I definitely am looking forward to rewatching it eventually. You know, eventually for season two, but maybe before that. And I do plan on talking about it, but yeah. It's one of those things that, isn't on the top of my list it's actually towards the bottom of my list but it's not because i absolutely hate it it just doesn't offer me a lot as a fan fair enough my number three is dooku jedi lost i absolutely love this story and it is about a character that in my opinion didn't get explored a lot even in legends it told the story of dooku from a little boy on his home planet to leaving the Jedi Order. And what I really love about this story is it did a lot of world building. Not only world building for the Republic and the Jedi Order, but a lot of stuff that came before it. And it also drops hints about the High Republic uh, and about the Jedi collecting artifacts, which we see in the Darth Vader series 2 series. Yeah, it was fascinating. And it's quite interesting to see that Dooku was a prodigy, just like Anakin was, and how their story echoed a lot. Like Dooku, we know him as a villain. We know him as the bad guy, but he was a hero. He didn't fall until later in life. There was 50 years when he was a good guy, and he was a hero, and his fall wasn't quite as sudden, but it also wasn't quite as shocking. Like, he still struggles with the dark side, but it's more of a gradual descent. And I really love this story. And I love learning more about Dooku. So. No, yeah. I mean, that story was excellent. And I want to just, I did enjoy that. And I remember sitting in my car at work and like not wanting to go into the office so I could keep listening to it in my car where I was playing it. And like, obviously I could put headphones, get listening. But 
I want to give a shout out for trying something that was meant to be kind of acted out in an audio only format. I thought that was really cool. I thought it was cool the kind of way they did it, that it was meant to be read and ingested in that way, kind of like a play. And I thought that was a cool way for them to do that novel. So I thought Jedi Lost was really, really interesting. I do like the depth it gives to Qui-Gon Jinn, a character we lost too soon. So I thought it was interesting the way it explores the history of the Force. I agree. And I hope Del Rey does more of this. I would love to see more of this. Yeah, me too. Because it, it's another notch underneath the belt. Doctor Who does this. Like they have a whole line of audio dramas. And yeah, I'm sure that this was an experiment for them. Is there going to be a demand? Is this going to sell? Are people going to love it? And you know, these things take time. So I hope that we get more of these because they really knocked it out of the park for me. I couldn't agree more. Moving on to a penultimate favorite phase one story in canon so far. What is your penultimate? So it's one you already touched on. It is Star Wars Rebels. Star Wars Rebels to me, and again, my hat's off to you, Dave, is one of the most excellent stories I think I've been told or enjoyed kind of ever from start to finish. It was such a comprehensive, enjoyable storyline that interjected in so many key points in the galactic lead up to the galactic conflict. It gave the rebellion so much character, although it was done in an animated format, it just amplified and gave us such excellent characters. I mean, I love Sabine and Ezra and Kanan and Hera and Zeb. All of them, Callus, and all of my favorite characters. I love all these characters. I love their stories. I want to know what happens to them. We have Thrawn and Price and such great bad guys. You know, the Emperor makes a sighting and Darth Vader's there and Ahsoka's Fulcrum. And I feel like throughout four seasons, Rebels just upped the game too. It just got better and better and better and better. It was an amazing ride. I love Star Wars Rebels. I think it is one of the most excellent additions to Star Wars ever on parallel with any of the films. I love Star Wars Rebels. I can't say enough good things about Star Wars Rebels. I don't want to gatekeep anybody out from Star Wars, but for me, if you are a Star Wars fan, you will love Rebels. It doesn't matter if you are an original trilogy diehard, if you're a prequel trilogy fan, if you're a new fan of the sequel trilogy, if you like the books and comics, there is so much in this show for you as a fan. I think this show is for Star Wars fans because, like I said, my favorite stories in canon are things that connect everything from canon together like you have battle droids rex and Ahsoka from the prequel trilogy era you have a nod to the sequel trilogy era with the lightsaber that ezra discovers on malachor you also have connection to the clone wars show itself with rex and Ahsoka. like i mentioned you have the original trilogy connections you have sakura there is so much here for you as a fan that i don't want to gatekeep but if you are a star wars fan and you don't like this I have so many questions. So I will tell you that. And to put it another way, this has something for everyone. And if you've never even, chances are you're probably not listening to this, but if you've never ever seen Star Wars in your entire life, I still think you'll enjoy Star Wars Rebels. I think it's that good. I think it is so good from start to finish. I think it's absolutely amazing. And you said it best. It really has something for no matter what your fandom in is Star Wars, no matter what your niche is, no matter what you're a bigger fan of, you're going to love parts of Star Wars Rebels. It is that amazing. Speaking of stories that connect everything in canon, that brings me on to my penultimate, and my penultimate is Jedi Fallen Order. Oh my god, when I played this and beat it, it blew me away. This is the best Star Wars game since Night of the Old Republic. It has everything, yes, this story takes place in the dark times between episode 3 and episode 4, but it connects so much, and there is a part that I did not see coming. It was so emotionally charged that 
any time a video game makes you emotional, it's, it's really powerful. There was a part in the game where I was crying when playing it. And yeah, I absolutely love the story. I love the characters. I love the Last Night Sister, man. I love Cal. There's just so much about this. And I don't know if you know about the ending, but the ending is amazing. Yeah, if you haven't played this, I highly recommend playing it. And like I said, it has everything from the original trilogy to the prequel trilogy, and it also expands upon new lore that is independent of those things. So yeah, Jedi Fallen Order is definitely my penultimate. Yeah, I mean, that's an amazing game. And, you know, not only from the story standpoint, that game is extremely well done, extremely enjoyable, just the right amount of challenging, and just a really good time from start to finish. We are here, finally. Our favorite phase one story of canon so far. Let's hear it. What is your number one? My absolute number one, it's something you've mentioned before, Rogue One. For me personally as a fandom, Rogue One offers me everything I could want from Star Wars and more. One of my favorite characters, and I keep saying one of my favorite characters, I have so many, but one of my absolute favorite characters is Cassian Andor. I love the depth he's given in this film. I love that they represented the rebellion wasn't just some simple movement, that there was dirty work, legs on the ground that had to be done. They were a military organization in a lot of respects that had a hard fight ahead of them. And it wasn't just Luke Skywalker bullseyeing womp rats in a trench that got the rebellion off the ground, that got the rebellion to defeat the Empire. It was the work of people like Cassian, of Jin Erso, of all the different heroes in this film. And talk about emotionally connecting. I just, I felt one of my favorite scenes in all of Star Wars is the scene after Jin proposes her plan to rebellion leadership. And they're saying that they won't go with her. And Cassian and his various groups of spies and scoundrels for the rebellion come and say, we'll fight with you. And they get on that U-wing and they go. And I think that's just one of the most powerful scenes. It's something that always moves me, that kind of loyalty and just the belief that Jyn Erso was able to stimulate in a cause and that cause that drove Cassian to fight for what he fight in. I just found myself loving every minute of Rogue One. The fact that they created this amazing and like, please give Gavin Edwards something else, but like give him something else to direct. But the fact that they created this movie out of the opening crawl of A New Hope is just all I can say is, wow, I absolutely love Rogue One. Even if you don't like the sequel trilogy, if you don't think Disney can make these films, watch Rogue One because it is absolutely amazing. I cannot disagree with anything that you said. I know for a lot of people, it is their number one. And I cannot argue that. Obviously, I have a different number one, but I definitely cannot argue that. I absolutely love this film. And that is why there's a reason why my podcast is named after a quote from it and why we take a lot of inspiration from Rogue One. Yeah, it's not my number one, but like I said, people say that this is the number one of phase one of Star Wars canon, and I can't disagree. I mean, obviously, I have a different number one, but yeah, I 100% can back that. Like, if Rogue One was running for president, I would definitely vote for it. But that moves us on to my number one, and we all know what my number one is. My number one is The Last Jedi. This was a film that Seeing it in the movie theater gave me a experience that I will never forget. And it's a movie experience that challenged me as a viewer. As I mentioned before, I love stories that are full of emotion. And this was an emotional roller coaster from beginning to end. This film gave me so much to love and enjoy. And it had a lot of mythical implications that I really dove into. And it is a film that I was speechless after watching it like this film was such an emotional roller coaster the first time I saw it that yeah I did cry but when I got out to the car it made me question some things and and I broke down because it was so emotionally charged and I absolutely had to sit 
and I had to think about it. And it took me a couple of days to really, I didn't want to jump to a conclusion. Like this film, I had to question a lot before I came to my final conclusion. And the more I watch the film, the more I sit with it, it's absolutely beautiful. It has so many things in it that I absolutely love. Like I know everybody would love to see action movie Luke Skywalker, but I love the symbolism of him standing against the First Order alone. Yeah, he has a lightsaber, but he's not attacking Kylo. I love the connection between Rey and Kylo. I love Yoda. I love what he says to Luke. There's just so much that this film gives me as a fan that I absolutely love. I know it isn't perfect. I mean, even A New Hope has flaws, but yeah, I I, I absolutely love this film. And I know it is a unpopular opinion, but we should be focusing on what we love. And this is absolutely what I love when it comes to phase one of Star Wars canon. Yeah, so I mean, obviously, The Last Jedi, I kind of have this conflicting stance on it. There's a lot I can pick apart in it. And you're right to say that every Star Wars movie has that, because everyone does. Every Star Wars movie definitely has some flaws, except for Rogue One. I'm just kidding. That you can pick on a little bit. But for me, there are parts of Last Jedi that I really enjoy. There are parts that I don't. I guess my only issue with is it just didn't feel like the same vision JJ outlined. It felt like a new direction. And I kind of felt myself falling in line with the original direction he laid out. But I would be interested to see an entire trilogy with Rian's vision from start to finish. Because the way he develops characters and the kind of the mythos is different and it's interesting. I agree 100%. And I do want to touch upon it slightly. As somebody who loves The Last Jedi, who was hurt by J.J. taking the story, his direction, I still would like to see Ryan Johnson make his own trilogy despite that because I do think if people, some people, can get away from the sequel trilogy and the legacy characters, if they can watch an independent story from Ryan Johnson that isn't connected to these things, if they give him a shot, I think they would be blown away. If they can see what I can see, outside of the sequel trilogy characters and story, I do think that he can tell a story that I do think fans will love. Right. And like kind of my last thought I'll give on The Last Jedi looking back is that the big disappointment for me and a lot of the negative feelings I still harbor about the film come from the way it answered the questions JJ presented in what I considered a dismissive manner. Now having watched that happen, watched JJ do the same thing to y'all, the fans of The Last Jedi, it kind of makes me empathize with the film a little bit more. And I do wish I got a better kind of ending to the Ray Kylo, specifically the Ben Solo story. So I wish that that question had been answered differently too. Just like I wish some of the questions about Force Awakens mysteries had been better addressed in The Last Jedi. So once I saw Rise of Skywalker, it did give me different perspective on the film. I'm going to say one last thing before we move on to our listener question. I come from it from the opposite perspective where I can respect and see how people reacted to The Last Jedi because I got it in Rise of Skywalker. So it gave me a level of empathy and a lot of sympathy because I can now relate to it. But I think at the end of the day, looking at the sequel trilogy, I do think the last film gave people on both sides, if you want to be so divisive about it, I think it gave a lot of the smart people a lot of sympathy and understanding to those people on the opposite side of them. I completely agree with that. Alright, this episode was a long one, and we need to get into our listeners' questions. But before we do, if you had to give Phase 1 of Canon a grade, what grade would that be and why? So I'm going to give it an A-. I enjoyed it. 
I love it. I love where the galaxy is headed. The minus is just for, I just wish we had more detail about some of these stories. Like, I feel like we're getting thrown characters left and right. And I just wish we had some depth to them coming. But like I said, that's just a little knock because I do love what they have given us and where we are headed. I am going to be a little bit harsh on it. For me, it would be a B. Even though Solo and The Mandalorian were not for me, I can see their qualities and can still find enjoyment in them. However, because they weren't for me, they kind of take the grade down a little bit. In addition, Rise of Skywalker was such a miss for me. Like, it put me in a state of mind where I questioned why I was a Star Wars fan. And because it was so bad for me and what it did, not only to the story before, but what the story will come out of it, it knocked the grade down two knots for me. That's a little bit unfair for me to say, considering what you said about The Last Jedi for you. It does have some things that I like, but I connect to things so emotionally charged and it left such a sour taste for me that yeah it, it did knock it down from an a minus to a b for me but there is and there was so much in phase one of canon that there's so much for us to enjoy that we can ignore the things that we don't like and i'm still looking forward to phase two and i do think that we both can agree i do think this phase will be something that will be more unified in fandom i think a lot of people will enjoy what is to come in phase two more than what don't like it. Yeah, so I, I completely agree with you. And the reason I'm a little more lean on the grade, even though I didn't love everything, although I love most of it, is that providing a conclusion to the Skywalker saga all these years later was always going to be so hard. It was going to be so difficult to make these movies and incorporate the characters we love with brand new characters and open back up the universe to whole new storylines. And you were placing an entire existing Legends canon, Legends that have been built up over 35, 40 years or something like that. This was always going to be an uphill battle. And I think they did a great job. And I couldn't agree with you more that last sentence. And like even hearing it kind of, you know, fills me with energy. Phase two just gives me so much hope. And I think it's going to be so amazing. The stories and characters. And although I'm not a huge fan of the High Republic stuff, I just think we're going to get so many things. And I just think they're going to be freed by this burden that wrapping up the Skywalker saga created. The Skywalker saga is done. And I'm just so excited. Like I'm filled with energy about what could come and what characters they could talk about and where they could go. Like the potential is essentially in my mind, absolutely limitless. And phase two is going to be just amazing. Absolutely. And that is a great way to conclude our main show. However, we still have listener questions, but we only have questions from one listener. And that listener is longtime supporter, Loundrow14 on Discord. Starting with his first question, and these are going to be a little bit shotgun style. What is the most underrated canon story so far? Oh, it's a toss-up, but I'm going to pick because shotgun style. I'm going to say Solo, a Star Wars adventure. For me, it is Lord of the Sith. I absolutely love this story. It is a story featuring Vader and Palpatine. It talks about their relationship and how harmful it is and how mean Palpatine is. But it also is full of action. It really shows that these two are, as the title said, Lord of the Sith. And I really love it. And it takes place on Ryloth. Yeah, I definitely recommend this. Next question, what is your favorite era that canon stories have explored so far? My favorite era is the post-Return of the Jedi era, like we saw in Alphabet Squadron, and I'm looking forward to more in that era. My favorite is the prequel trilogy era. No big surprise there. Next question, which era do you wish canon stories would explore more? 
I wish they would explore, like I said, not only post Return of the Jedi, but immediately prior to The Force Awakens and what's going on there. For me, it would be the uh, between episode one and episode two. I love the idea of what is going on to the galaxy that leads up into the Clone Wars. I mean, we know, but do we really know? Also, I would love to have more stories about Dooku after he left Jedi Order as well as Palpatine and the relationship between Obi-Wan and Anakin before episode two. Like, give me all of that. Next question. Do you prefer the books, comics, games, or TV show and why? So my favorite is and will always be the novelization, the books. It's just the way I really feel like I can in-depth relate to the stuff. And I just feel like there's no limit or pre-described format or rules that the author has to follow to give us the information. They have more freedom to tell their story the way he or she wants to. And I think that's absolutely an amazing way to explore Star Wars. I mean, all the above for me. But if you force me to pick one, it is definitely the books, like you said. Because you can focus more on characters and character development. And you can really get into the head as well as expand upon the universe in ways that you cannot do in visual media. Next question. Who is your favorite new canon character? My favorite new canon character, I'm going to cheat here. I'm giving two because it's a tie. One from the movies is Poe Dameron. And the ones from the stories is Eli Vanto. For me, spoiler alert, we already talked about this. Dr. Afra. What can be said that I haven't already said? Yeah, Dr. Afro is my favorite new canon character. Next question. What is your favorite new take on an old canon character? So I kind of hinted to this already, but my favorite take on that is definitely Grand Admiral Thrawn. I love both his old and new canon take on that character. For me, it is Luke. I'm sorry, but I absolutely love him in The Last Jedi. And in fact, the Last Jedi made me fall back in love with Luke Skywalker again. Sadly, Rise of Skywalker does the opposite of this for me. But yeah, Luke Skywalker, The Last Jedi, I absolutely love him in that. His next question is, a criticism of the old EU was that sometimes it lacks cohesiveness. In your opinion, has the new canon improved on that? So I do know that's a complaint of the old canon. I will just say this is a lot easier because there's a centralized controlling point, which is Disney. So that didn't quite exist for Legends canon. But to answer the question, yes, I do think it has improved on the cohesion. And I think that Disney has story planners and different planning groups and things like that that allow for more cohesive stories. I also agree. It feels like it is a lot tighter due to the focus on smaller stories instead of larger, impactful stories that you need to know the details of to create new stories. Though I know that bugs some people because we haven't gotten those larger stories outside of certain media, but I do think that it's more cohesive and a lot tighter because you have these smaller stories. Next question. Which book, comic, or game has the best cover art? There's too much cover art for me to choose from, so I'm going to choose something that just visually pops to me as a whole, and that is Jedi Fallen Order, which I think has amazing artwork from start to finish. This question was really hard to answer, just considering that there's like 300 different comic covers. But for me, I'm going to give the nod to Lord of the Sith. It is simple, yet it features the power of both the Sith that you see in the book, Vader and Palpatine. So yeah, Lord of the Sith gets the nod. Next question. If you can choose one legend character to make canon, who would it be? All right, well, this is way too hard to ask someone like me. So I'm picking three. I'm not going to rank them. I'm just going to pick them. I got to be honest, I took these questions on. I really tried to pick just one, but I just can't. I'm picking three that are really near and dear to my heart from the Legends universe. 
I am picking Coran Horn, Mara Jade, and Kip Duran. This is also a hard question for me. For me, I am not sure most of them can be filled by other people already in canon or don't quite fit in canon. But if you force me to pick one, I would have to go with Talon Cod. I think he would definitely fit a role that you can kind of put like Hondo or other people in. But I do think he can still have a place in canon. So yeah, Talon Cod is my choice. His last question is, what do you hope to see in Phase 2? Besides what we already know about the High Republic products. Uh, so yeah, what I hope to see in Phase 2, I hope to see a couple of things. I hope to see more origin stories of the characters in the sequel trilogy. Poe Dameron, Zori, characters like that. Characters we haven't really seen origin story of. I would like to see an explanation of how Emperor Palpatine pulled off this massive cloning effort and hit on this planet. I would like a better explanation of that. And I hope to see more about the post-military and government forming actions after Return of the Jedi. For me, my answer is, and I don't mean no offense in this, but less original trilogy nostalgia and focus. Every story that I have an issue with, or in Rise of Skywalker case, hate taps into that. Some stories do it okay, but in some stories, it hinders the story for me. And for those who do not have that nostalgia, it falls flat and will not hold up well, in my opinion. Nothing against the original trilogy or the nostalgia, but for me, it is a balancing act. And I think Mandalorian does a great job of balancing it for me compared to Rise of Skywalker. But it's also something that you're going to have people who come to these movies and shows and books later on who will not have that and it will not connect with them like it does for maybe you and I or other people. Star Wars, yes. It originated with the original trilogy, but it's so, 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 so much more than just the original trilogy. And like I said, everything that I love about Star Wars unifies the canon and have everything from every different era. Like I said, that's why I love Rebels so much. It's because it's not just the original trilogy story. It, it, it unites everything. But that's just me. Some people might feel a little bit different, but yeah, that would be my answer. If you would like to have your question featured on our show, Please consider joining our Discord channel and look out for the post asking for questions when we next record. That concludes our main show. But before we get out of here, we would like to take this time to thank our patrons. Thank you, Peter, Nathan, Taylor, Forever Fett, Sean, Samuel, Josh, NJ Klinka, Michael, and Austin. We could not do what we do without your support. That concludes this episode of Ivy Bell. Coming up next, we are picking up where we left off on our former miniseries Beyond the Game, and we are going to talk about the film that brought Star Wars back to the forefront of pop culture and gave birth to a whole new generation of Star Wars fans, as well as a whole new era of Star Wars. That's right, we are going to be diving into the very underrated The Phantom Menace. Thank you for the fact for coming on and talking some Star Wars with me. I am looking forward to having you back on, which should be in two episodes to kick off the original Tron trilogy, correct? I'm down. Awesome. If people would like to reach out to contact you, where can they find you? Yeah, you can pop on over to anywhere I've done any Star Wars Destiny content. You can still find me there. And you can also find me at Forever Fett on any Discord channel that I'm in. And you can find me everywhere at Jedi Geek Girl. That concludes this episode of Ari Bell. Thank you so much for tuning in. Until next time, I have been Jedi Geek Girl, 
Jedi Geek Girl, out. Welcome everyone to the High Ground, a Revenge of the Sith 15th Anniversary Celebration Panel. My name is Jedi Geek Girl, and I'll be one half of your host for this panel. And I'm Jess, and I'll be the other half of your host for this panel. Before we get started, I would like to say a huge thank you for everyone who is tuning in, watching us, and to those behind the scene who help organize Force Fest. We are thankful and humbled to be a part of this, and to all you for taking time out of your day for watching. We would also like to take this time to mention that Force Fest is currently partnering with Make-A-Wish for donations. Please take this time out to make a donation. Link to that is below. With your support, we can help make a child wish come true. Before we dive into the panel proper, however, let's go ahead and tell you a little bit about ourselves, our content, and how we got into Star Wars. Jess, would you kick us off, please? Sure. So I kind of like to say I was born a fangirl. Um, I watched all the Star Wars movies growing up when I was little with my older brother. Um, so I don't have that like clear memory of like, this is the first time I saw Star Wars. I just kind of always feel like I knew the characters from the time I was very, very young. Uh, and as I grew up, I made friends in high school and then in college. And so each time I kind of hit that new phase in life, my fandom would grow and expand into that new phase as well. And so now I'm at the point where I can just, I want to ingest all the content I can between books, movies, shows, and pretty soon I'll be excited to branch into comics, which I know you know a bit more about than I do. And I've been a podcast listener now for a few years. And this weekend, I'm actually starting my own show, The Faithful Fangirl, um, which will explore topics related to Christianity using things like Star Wars, Disney, Harry Potter to explain them. Um, so that'll be uh, part of Force Fest on the content creator stage later today. Um, but what about you, Jedi Geek Girl? How did you get into this galaxy far, far away? For me, like a whole new generation, I got introduced into Star Wars through the 1995 THX VHSs. When I was younger in my spare time, I would go through my mother's tape collection and watch them. One day, I came across the Star Wars box set, and I don't remember my first time watching them, but I watched them and I kept watching them over and over and over again until the prequels came out. And then my I was a prequel baby, so I watched the prequel films. I was into the Star Wars films. But unfortunately, I did slowly drift away from Star Wars after the prequel trilogy concluded, even with the Clone Wars. And just real life caught up to me and kind of drifted away up until The Force Awakens was announced. At that time, I was drawn back into the fandom, and with the canon reset in 2015 was another reason for me to get in was because in 2015, after The Force Awakens came out, it just lit a fuse in me, and then 2016, I started diving into the books and comics, so that was a great entry for me, and I've been hooked ever since, and I've been consuming as much as I can. As far as my content goes, I have been a podcaster for the past four years, three years of it, hosting my very own podcast. I got my start in the Star Wars Destiny Card and Dice game by FFG, but I have slowly been changing gears into diving into the larger Star Wars universe as a whole. 
that transition for me will be completed in October later this year where I should where I fully change gears for my podcast changing directly into Star Wars. I am so excited to be diving into the larger Star Wars universe with my podcast and I cannot wait to get those episodes out. Sure. And I know we can't wait to hear those and have you be a part of the larger Star Wars community. I'm so excited for that transition for you. I just can't wait. Uh, so getting into our panel proper, let's kick off with why we love Revenge of the Sith and what makes Revenge of the Sith so special to us. Jedi Geek Girl? Where do, where do I start with this? <laughs> Revenge of the Sith is my favorite film it, of all of them. Of even the original trilogy, the sequel trilogy, Revenge of the Sith, there's just something special about it that really connected with me because it is the best of the original trilogy and the prequel trilogy in one film. It is an emotional film. It is a film that connects with you. If you buy into the tragedy every single time, I get an emotional response. It's just so perfect for me as an experience because despite any flaws that it has, it really resonated with me. And that is why I wanted to talk about it for this panel is because I love this film so much. I hear you. I do too. So I, I, I agree. It is definitely hands down my favorite of the prequels. And if like you had to force me to pick, I would probably pick this one as my favorite of, you know, the Skywalker saga overall. And I think for me, part of that is um, I, I love movies. I love watching lots of movies. So even as I rewatch them, it's not, you know, you, you kind of miss that feeling of, fe of seeing it for the first time. Every time I go into watching Revenge of the Sith, I think that it's going to end differently. I'm like, okay, this is the hundredth time I've seen it. Maybe this time Anakin won't fall to the dark side. Like if I just keep watching it, maybe it'll turn out differently. Like, I don't know why I have this in my mind, but that's just always what it is. And, and I loved, you know, after the Clone Wars came out and getting to know Anakin and Obi-Wan and seeing their relationship, we got a taste of that in this movie that they then built on in the Clone Wars. But then if you kind of watch it all together, then seeing their fight on Mustafar so much more heartbreaking when you see like all the stuff they've been through, through the Clone Wars and, and teaming up and being together. Like, and this film is, what we thought at the time was the end of the Skywalker story. You know, we thought this was going to be it and it just, there'd be TV shows and books and comics, but we didn't think there'd be more movies. I agree. I am the same way. I will watch the film and every single time I am hoping that Anakin would make a different choice and it breaks my heart over and over again. Anakin, what are you doing? Uh, and there's just something special about this story. As you mentioned before, it is the close. It was the original end of the Star Wars saga. Well, it's not the original end, but you know what I'm saying. Yeah. It, it, it was the end of the air, and people always connect, I notice, in these airs to the beginning or the end, sometimes the, the middle or whatever. But like, like I said, this film is like the pinnacle for me of bringing everything together. And we can debate about the execution all day. But for those two of us who just step aside and buy into the tragedy, I think it is a very powerful moment that is in the top three Star Wars films whenever it comes to the most moving of, of them, in my opinion, at least. Oh, I completely agree. So... The Revenge of the Sith came out in 2005. Do you remember what your first experience seeing it was? 
I feel really bad that I have to say this and please don't judge me. I didn't see it in theaters. So I was 14 at the time. And at that time for me, I was only going to the theaters with my parents. And the only movies we really saw during that time was Harry Potter. And it just kind of wasn't super duper on my radar. But every time, I know I did see episode one in theaters because my brother took me. But for episodes two and three, as soon as they were released on DVD, because what we would do is we'd go to the video store. We wouldn't go to the movie theater, we'd go to the video store. So we went to Family Video in town. And every time I would always browse the new releases. And every time there was a Star Wars movie, so episode two and episode three, I was like, mom, dad, we got to get this one. We got to watch this one. Can we please, please, can we get this one? Can we watch this one tonight, please? And so that's how I saw it. it was kind of at home with my parents and I was enthralled the entire time. I think I watched that movie about four times before it had to be returned the next day. Cause on the new releases, you only get them for 24 hours. Um, so I, I missed that. I don't get to see it and in, in, didn't get that theater experience. Cause now as an adult, I love going to the theater. I love that experience. Um, but it does still, I mean, I remember a time when there were video stores. And so that is still pretty special to me. There is nothing like seeing a Star Wars film in theaters. Even if you don't see it during its original release, I highly recommend those if they have the opportunity to go see a Star Wars on a big screen. But for me, I saw it. It was my first midnight release. And I remember the experience. I did wait in line. I believe I waited in line like for an hour or whatever. I got in. There was a line. And I got in. And I remember the theater being packed. Everybody was in cosplay. There was people playing with Star Wars with, with their lightsabers up in front, in front of the screen. And I sat down and I was looking and I was drinking it all in, watching everybody. And to my right, I noticed somebody was carrying in a life-size Yoda doll. And then I noticed that everybody was reacting where they were standing up and they were doing the praising to it and cheering to it and the guy who brought it in brought it up into front to into the front for like five minutes sitting there and the crowd was still reacting to it so that was really my first experience seeing a star wars film where the crowd was really engaged with it obviously i saw the other two in theaters but it was a kind of a different experience but this was the first time i was really into the neck of it that i saw a star wars film during its first showing so that was really exciting and it's a memory that i will always cherish i mean that's amazing like i'm so jealous that your like first midnight show was like revenge of the sith with Star Wars. that's amazing i think my first midnight for star wars was i think episode one when they re-released in 3d and jeffrey threw out in the chat he saw episode one uh, on its 3d re-release as well so that was really exciting and i remember that time there was talk of doing all of them and i was like i remember me and a buddy of mine were like we're gonna we're gonna see you know oh my gosh talking about all the different things we would see in all the 3d scenes and we both looked at each other we went mustafa <laughs> we were really excited for episode three and then you know the disney buyout happened and then we got three new movies so i would like to I would like to say that watching that on a big screen, and I'm getting chills just thinking about it, when the movie opens, obviously you have people cheering with the title crawl, and then you hear the war drums and the ships, and I'm literally getting goosebumps right now thinking about this, and you hear it, and then you see the ships fly, 
and they they go down and you see the battle course on that to me that opening in my opinion is the best of the star wars films and i got the same feeling watching that, that i guess people would have obviously i wasn't alive in 1977 with a new hope that really captured my imagination i'm like here we go <laughs> that's awesome i love it and Alyssa threw out in the chat that she said she'll never forget that feeling uh in the theater so there's just something about being in the theater that you just can't get anywhere else so i i envy all of you who got to see it in theaters i'm very sorry i don't have that same experience for um for this movie it's okay there's bound to be another opportunity. That's for sure. For sure. So like Disney, if you're listening, re-release episode three in theater so Jess can get her experience. So what about now? How do you look at Revenge of the Sith 15 years later, post the rise of Skywalker, with all the content we've now gotten? I look at it as more important now than it is then. Obviously, it was the conclusion of the George Lucas saga at the time. But now, 15 years later, I see it as a very pinnacle point in canon, which we will get into later when it comes to tie-ins and stuff like that. Because before Revenge of the Sith and even during that period of time, the, the cornerstone was the Battle of Yavin. Anybody who read books and stuff like that it was always the Battle of Yavin. Where now it seems like the turning point and the central of the timeline is order 66 which makes sense mm -hmm. because uh, that is the rise of the galactic power uh for, for me it has gotten better with age for the longest time my favorite film was the empire strikes back because that is what you were supposed to say right and then eventually i got to the point you know what no i really love revenge of the sith it's my favorite film i know that not that's not everybody's favorite film but i just love it on part uh, on Victor, I love it so much and un un unabashedly. I, I agree. And I, I love what you said about like what you're supposed to say. You are, you are, you're supposed to say that Empire Strikes Back is your favorite Star Wars movie. And do not get me wrong, Empire Strikes Back is amazing. It's also celebrating 40 years this year as well. So congratulations to that. But I, I agree with you. There's just something about this one. It's got its own sense of magic to it. And I don't know if it's because that's the era we grew up in or anything, but I, yeah, that's what you're supposed to say. But I, in, in more the last like year or so, I've gotten a bit bolder in saying like, you know, it's Revenge of the Sith. I like episode three and that's okay. And I, I think in general, people are gravitating towards the prequels more, especially after the sequel series. And I think as it, as it's aging, um, people are growing in their appreciation and, it's the uh, tying into the when it tied into the Clone Wars, like seeing that siege of Mandalore running into Order sixty six, running into the Battle of Coruscant was like it just gave me chills. Like it's it's just so wonderful that even the creators are honoring this movie as well. Revenge of the Sith has influenced so much Star Wars content. What is some of your favorite tie-ins to Revenge of the Sith? Uh, one of my big ones is actually the line in The Rise of Skywalker. When I went to go see that, was that now last last December? Was that last December? It's COVID, right? <laughs> Time is weird. Um, but when 
I remember the hype on like the emperor coming back and people like, wait, how is the emperor coming back? What's happening? And you get into the movie and you hear that line. The dark side is a pathway to many abilities. One would deem unnatural. And I was like, that's all of the explanation I need. Like, okay, sure. You got me. Like I didn't need some sort of big, crazy overarching explanation for why the emperor was back. Cause he said that line and it connected me immediately back to that moment um, when he's at the opera with Anakin and says the exact same thing as he's trying to, you see that beautiful scene where they're manip he's manipulating Anakin and they're at the opera and there's that big kind of glob thing in the background. It's just so beautiful that, it, you know, set against this beautiful background, something really dark is happening and, and it's so subtle, but so brilliant. So I, I like that rise of Skywalker pulled from that moment and kind of honored this film. For me, my favorite tie-in, Shay actually brought it up in the chat here. It's the Siege of Manalore, the Clone Wars, season seven. Watching that and watching how that weaved in and out of Revenge of the Sith, it didn't just lead up to it like Rogue One did. It weaved in and out, it was so perfect and was so beautiful that it, it. I just love it so much. For sure. So all the all these are really great. There, there's lots, lots more moments. But what are some of the areas you would like to see more of? I would like to see for those who know, the deleted scenes featured Padme organizing what will later become the rebellion with Mon Mothma and Bail Organa. I would like to see that explored more in canon. Obviously, it is in the Revenge of the Sith novel. Obviously, you have the deleted scenes, but those aren't technically canon as defined by the rules right now. So I would like to see those that storyline adapted, even if it's changed or whatever. I would like to see the political side of, okay, what is going on? Because you have three years, 13 years since Palpatine you know, came into power. He long saved his power. The war was dragging on. You saw a little bit of this in the Clone Wars, but what was it like in the twilight of the Republic? And mm. what was going on with, with Padme? Because there was more going on with Padme than just Anakin. Not that that wasn't great, but it would be nice to have that expand upon maybe a a book that reefed in or some sort of recanalization of that kind of story. Dang. Yeah, I want to see that too. You are always so, I love when you answer that question because you always have something that I'm like, yes, somebody do that or you do that. That would be amazing. You, all, you always have such great insights. I love that. I mean, you would probably be able to speak more to this than I do. I've heard whisperings of the Sabe comic where it's after Padme's death, she's trying to go investigate and find out why she died and is possibly looking for Anakin. Is that something you know more about than I do? That is part of the epilogue of the Queen Shadow book, where Padme died, Sabe is at the funeral, and then Belgana reaches out to her. That has not been explored yet in canon, but it does jump forward in Beta Series 3, that comic, where Sabe, uh, 22, nope, yeah, 22 years later, meet Vader, and she is still trying to figure out how Padme died. And Vader goes along with her to 
also solve that. It's still going on right now, so we don't know the resolution. But yeah, I, I would love to see that get explored as well because even though we know that Bell calls her and we know what happens 22 years later, we don't know what's going on during that time. Does she work for the rebellion? Does she not trust Bill? Does, does she know about Leia? These type mm -hmm. of things. Yeah, a lot of questions to explore there. And then, so we're both book people. And so they did the certain point of view books for the uh, 40th anniversary of A New Hope. And then there's one that's coming out later this year for Empire Strikes Back. I don't want to wait 40 years to get a certain point of view book or I can't do quick math right now. But I would love a certain point of view book for um, Revenge of the Sith. Because I think that there's, when I in reading those, there are so many different areas and point of views and different things that were explored that I'm like, I, I never would have thought of. And I didn't know that I wanted it until I saw it in these other books. So I think I would love that in just all of the series movies in general, but specifically this one, because I love it so much. And the other thing, I want to know what the business is on Keita Nemordia that doesn't count. I thought we would get that in the Clone Wars. I was always looking and every time I think about it, I think, oh, well, maybe it happened in the Clone Wars and I totally missed it. And I haven't been able to to find it. If it's done somewhere, please let me know because that line when Anakin and Obi-Wan get back from rescuing the Chancellor and he's like, it's not because I saved your skin for the 10th time and Obi-Wan's like, ninth time. That business on Kate and Amodia, that, that, that doesn't count. And I just thought it was hilarious. And I want to know what doesn't count. So I agree with you 100% on the certain point of view story because anybody who knows me knows like I want that certain point of view prequel content give it to me I just know that if slash when we get it it's going to kill me because how many different stories of these Jedi are they going to share dying I mean the one on A New Hope with Bail on Otteran just absolutely kill me and they're going to do that to me over and over and over to me again in the Revenge of the Sith certain point of view book I don't know if I can handle it emotionally oh yeah I didn't even think oh that's true. That's true. Blah. But yeah. So, okay. So I'm seeing in the chat, I feel really good. I was nervous bringing it up, but a couple people have thrown out in the chat, in the chat that we haven't seen the business on Kate and Moidia. Okay. So on the one hand, I'm happy I was right. On the other hand, I'm like, but I want to see it. <laughs> Revenge of the Sith legacy goes way beyond its effect on the story. It is also an important film that has a legacy in of its own. 15 years later, what is that legacy? For me, I think we've touched on it just a few times, but it is the last film that George Lucas was at the helm for. Like this was the last live action film that he did. Like he's the maker. All of this, everything that we're talking about, everything that we love came from inside of his head and spawned and, and, pulled out and then other people came in and added their own things as well but it all starts with him and so this last movie was like his his last movie is kind of his his final goodbye a friend of mine who threw out the thank the maker um yeah it, it, that's just that's part of that legacy you can't really have one without the other you can't talk about this without talking about george and his impact on the universe and the in the community and, and everything as a whole and I think looking at the movie and how it is, I think you see a lot of George's heart in it as well. And it, it was his final goodbye. I think maybe that's part of why it's so good. I think he put everything he had into 
this last movie and it's just it's phenomenal I agree the legacy of Revenge of the Sith is always going to be Lucas's final Star Wars film the Clone Wars animated movie is yeah he had some hands on it but this was his final film and what a note to go out on. I know that I've been thinking recently and I've been when I've been watching it, I like the technology, you know, it gets a lot of slack for the special effects, but I also see where it came from from Attack of the Clones. You see what they he did in Attack of the Clones and you look at what he did in Revenge of the Sith and you can see a lot of improvement. Mm-hmm. And I always thought that if Lucas did another Star Wars film and that he would have blended everything together well, even better than what he did in Revenge of the Sith because I felt like in Revenge of the Sith he had his hands on it a little bit more when it came to mismatching the technology and stuff like that. So I just picture, like, what would George Lucas's next Star Wars film have been like? But it, it, it kind of sucks that Lucas didn't get to finish his saga. Mm-hmm. But I also think Revenge of the Sith was such a good note to go out on because... Even though it wasn't critically as acclaimed as the original trilogy, it is often seen critically as the best of the three and by fans too. So I think it went out on a solid note. And the legacy is always going to be the completion of Lucas's Vader saga. So even though you have the sequel trilogy continuing that story, Lucas, even though he didn't get to finish his saga, he got to tell Vader's story from beginning to end. That's an excellent point. And and you touched on, you know, talking about technology, you know, Star Wars has always been on the forefront of technologies, always been innovating new technology and looking at what Star Wars has done tech-wise, even back in the seventies, creating the models and everything. And back in the early prequel area, early prequel era, (laughs) it's always, innovating and technology really also plays a hand in star wars as well so how did revenge of the sith affect filmmaking as we see it today kathleen kennedy said it best and the disney special behind the scenes feature i'm blanking on the name of it when she talked about how lucas was 10 years ahead when it came to technology. Mm-hmm. I think if you look back, especially at Attack of the Clones and Revenge of the Sith, you can see how far advanced he was that would later become the volume with the Mandalorian. He always had this talk, even back in the day, of technology that wouldn't happen till decades before they would. And I think we can see the effect on the movie industry that he pioneered, especially with Revenge of the Sith and Attack of the Clones, especially in in the volume, because it was his in his head to have the ability to be able to shoot something basically, quote unquote, in your garage. Mm-hmm. So the, the volume, as much as people love it now, has this roots tying back to Revenge of the Sith and the prequel trilogy because it was the next evolution. Yeah, he didn't really get to lead that charge. Favreau gets to, but without him pushing the ground, sometimes successfully, sometimes not successfully. It it, it makes me wonder where we would be in digital and special effects today. Right. Well, and correct me if I'm wrong. um, I've been trying to work my way through that um, Disney gallery on the Mandalorian. The 
the, how they shot the Mandalorian with that, I forget the name of what it's called, but I, I thought I heard in one of those episodes that that was George's idea or George's vision or that he was involved he, in that somehow. He had the vision in his head that he, he was like, one day you're going to be able to shoot movies in your garage. Which is basically what the volume is. The, the volume is something. It's a circular screen thing, where you put practical effects and settings in the center there, and then you have a screen that is shot in real time that you can, whenever you move the camera, it moves with it. That it, it ties in because if you watch Disney Galleries, that's the name of the show. They talked about how actors, when they would get in there, they would lose, like, what is the screen? What what is the practical effects thing it, it, was, it was such an immersive experience that at the time there was no you couldn't have the technology to do but what he was trying to do with the green screen because obviously you couldn't impose that on you know for the actors but if you took what George Lucas was doing and you put it into the volume I think you, you would see that it would mismatch really nicely interesting okay that, that's awesome so yeah so you, that's I just love that in my mind they're made of kyber crystals because the thing I heard about it was the thing that makes up those screens is those crystals that they have to grow in batches and you can't use crystals from one batch. Um, that wasn't, you have to use the crystals that were grown together. And I just connected that to kyber crystals. And in my mind, this, the volume is made of kyber crystals and that's just, that's just how it works for me. <laughs> there are so many highs in Revenge of the Sith that, we have so many memorable lines. We have wonderful characters and wonderful moments. One of, what are some of your highlights of Revenge of the Sith? Well, I mean, I think the first one I got to say is, don't try it. I have the high ground. And that's what we named our panel. Um, I mean, you were my brother, Anakin. I loved you. That's, that's one. And I, I didn't write this down earlier, but somebody threw it out in the chat was uh, General Kenobi. And hello there. I was like, why didn't I think of all the Kenobi quotes are amazing. Ewan's one of my favorite, favorite Kenobis. Um, one of my favorite scenes and the one that I probably quote, even just to myself most often, is when they're rescuing the Chancellor and Anakin and Obi-Wan are in the elevator. And they're arguing about um, R2. And Anakin's like, don't worry, R2 will be along in a moment. And he's like, uh-huh. And he's like, and no loose wire jokes. He goes, did I say anything? And he just gives him looks like, I didn't say anything. So I, the, did I say anything? I didn't say, I quote that to myself or to other people, at, like even at work all the time. And like, and nobody gets it. Um, I have a bad feeling about this. Um, that's actually what my uh, tattoo in a rubbish says. Um, oh, and I think for me, the most iconic, well, one of the most iconic shots is Anakin storming the Jedi Temple and the music there and just that John Williams score. It's actually my current ringtone right now on my phone. Um, and it, it, that shot is like so iconic to that movie. They, you know, they used it again in Last Jedi when Kylo was storming the base and, um, you know, Master Skywalker, what are we going to do? There's an artist. His name is Danny Haas. He was at Last Celebration was where I first met him. And he did these bookmarks that I thought were really brilliant. And it was like one side is a character and one side's another. So it was like Kanan and then Kanan after you know he's blind. And so one of them was Anakin. And on the flip side was like a little Padawan. 
And I thought it was like old Anakin and young Anakin. And I saw his post about it and he had all these different hashtags. And the last hashtag was hashtag Master Skywalker. What are we going to do? And I was like, that is the most hilarious and most heartbreaking thing I've ever seen. I need to have one. And I do. I don't even know where to begin. I'm thinking right here of moments that they dealt with me. And there's so many. For me, when it comes to my experience with films, I always connect to the emotional moving scene. So right away, Order 66 really sticks out with me. And it is so emotional to the point, if you put on the music, I get emotional. And every single time I watch it, and looking back now, it's short, shorter than what you would think it is. Like, like, Seeing the Jedi kill off is like a minute or two, but it, it's so emotional. And in the middle of it, you see Yoda, you know, clutch his chest. And before that, you had Padme and Anakin both looking out. Like those both are emotional scenes. And you also have Padme when she confronts Anakin. People like knock the dialogue, but the emotion that Natalie portrays in that scene absolutely sells her pain and her heart it's just there's just so many you got palpatine being delicious oh my god i love palpatine in this film he's my favorite star wars villain i love like he's serious but he's over the top he's a threat but he's also comedic i mean watching this film for the first time all the comedy in it you got Obi-Wan, hello there. You have I, the high ground. You have it just, there's just so many moments in this film that you could pick any one of them. And even, even though I'm going to pick something here that somebody probably won't, but even R2D2 with the battle droid, when he gets picked up, <laughs> he puts the oil, they let go, and he lights his boosters, you know, destroying the droids. You also have when the ship actually gets uh, vertical. R2-D2 sliding down. There's just so many moments in this film that really sticks out with me. Like, like I'm getting chilled and I'm getting excited oh, talking yeah. about it. Oh, it's the but, other one. Uh, Ray Shields, we're smarter than this. <laughs> Apparently not. <laughs> well, it just, yeah, it's just, uh, there's just so much that really sticks out to me. And my, my favorite character for, from this, I mean, it obviously have to be Palpatine, but you have sexy Obi-Wan Kenobi. You have Anakin, I, I love Hayden Christensen's performance in this. I was so lucky to get to meet him at the celebration. And you have, and I think this is perfect uh, to wrap up my statement on this, is you have the climax at the end with Anakin in pain on a table with the helmet coming down. And that is just so beautiful. In my opinion, I think that is one of the top three or five shots in all of Star Wars because it's so iconic. Like you see the pain in Anakin's eyes and then you see him finally accept his faith and you see the helmet come down and you're like, okay, Anakin as what he was is dead. He accepts his faith and then you have Vader breathing. And that puff of smoke is like, the most beautiful little on the exhale as it as it like moves that's the most beautiful thing beautiful bit of smoke i've ever seen yes that is an excellent moment i also love i know people don't this people this moment is a moment that people like to knock but i like the moment when he comes off the table and he's like where's padme and she is like it seems in your anger 
you have killed her and you see the pain he lets mm -hmm. out his anger and thing it's like if you were in that emo if you were in that situation and if you were blinded by rage and you found out that you killed a person that not only that you love but your children you would lash out in pain and for mm -hmm. a lot of people that is a verbal and go online and watch a mother find out that her child has died and you hear the primal yell and pain. And I think that it's what that moment was trying to capture. And I love that mo moment moment so much because it is also recaptured in volume two of the Vader comics where, where you get that pain too. So that no, it's a little over the top, but it's this primal release of emotion. Like that's so painful. Mm -hmm. So uh, let me ask you this, because a, a friend and I have gone back and forth on on what we think. We we kind of agree, and I don't know if this has been canonized or not. Um, you would probably be able to tell me better. Um, do you think? Because in that scene, it's playing parallel to Padme giving birth. Do you think that Palpatine? is pulling Padme's life force energy and putting it into Anakin as he's becoming Vader so he can survive this surgery. And that's why she dies. Not that she died from a broken heart, but because they siphoned her force energy to keep Anakin alive. I, I personally don't subscribe to that theory. In my opinion, if anybody is, is Anakin pulling on the dark side of the force, mm -hmm. it, 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 I, I always viewed it as the force. It was the force putting things into motion. Because the, 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 it was the way of the force balancing it, itself out. So I, I personally don't subscribe to that theory. I think if anybody would be doing that it would be the force or even Vader himself uh drawing that life force but I think we might find out in Vader volume three so mm -hmm. we'll see but as of right now it's not canon it's a fun theory but I don't subscribe to it personally sounds good real quick I just want to say bye to Alyssa if we haven't already left she she had to leave but she's been throwing some fun stuff in the uh the chat one of her quotes from earlier was the Anakin my allegiance is to the republic to democracy I can't not say it the way, you know, Obi-Wan doesn't say it. So um, I just want to give a quick bye to her. <laughs> it's also good in point. It's also good to point out the moments in that film that are currently applicable in everything that's going on. Like how many times do people quote things from this film? Like you mentioned the, the quote with Anakin to Vader when it's my my allegiance is to democracy you have this is how democracy dies with thunderous applause mm -hmm. you have all of these means that people use and apply in real life so mm -hmm. yeah for sure um and real quick i want to go through back some of the chat some of the people had thrown out um fun quotes um my brothers hello there uh, another happy landing that was another Alyssa quote um sith lords are a speciality uh, is another great one. So a lot of Obi-Wan quotes in the chat uh, when Obi-Wan says Roger, Roger. Um, so I too am a big Obi-Wan fan guy. So I, I love seeing that in the, uh, in the chat. Um, I know there was more in here from earlier. Um, I guess there wasn't. 
Okay. So real quick, last point before we dive into questions from our listeners. We mentioned some of the struggles and issues with Revenge of the Sith. What are some of the points that you would like to point out to somebody who's really kind of struggling with accepting this movie and, and appreciating it the way that we do? I would recommend buying into the tragedy. Just go with your emotions. As Qui-Gon says, feel, don't think. Use your instincts. If you buy into the tragedy of what is going on between Anakin and Padme, that just breaks your heart. Maybe you don't buy into the romance, but if you step away and if you watch it, it's painful to watch this happen. And especially if you have watched The Clone Wars, that helped put put those pieces into place, not only Anakin's fault, but their relationship and how, even though it is not what we would call a healthy sense of love, they did love each other mm-hmm. in, a, in their own way. And it, it's so horrible and so tragic. So my recommendation is just buy into the tragedy of it. And I think you will find yourself enjoying it a lot more. Yeah, I, I agree. And one of the things about this movie I really love is the music. So the, um, uh, the like duel of heroes that plays into or battle of heroes that plays into and pulls from different themes um, that George used, uh, not George, I'm sorry, John used in, in the past. And in this movie, like it is the birth of Vader. We see that turn and, and seeing how Palpatine just so um, carefully and, and perfectly and with just so much intention manipulated and just pulled those strings on Anakin. It just kind of is a, like weirdly beautiful thing to watch how he's able to turn Anakin, especially when you see him in the Clone Wars and and get to know him as well as you do. Uh, and you really this this movie is the birth the birth of Vader. So if you're a Vader fan, you get to see how we get to Vader. Like if you can only watch one movie from the prequel area, I think it should be this one. I agree one hundred percent. I couldn't say that any better myself. That will do it for the main section of the panel. It is now time to dive into our questioners from you, the viewer slash listener audience. My favorite part, Jess, can you kick those off for us? Yes. So right now, um, for the last bit of the panel, we're going to open up some slots here on Get Vocal. Um, So if you see them, there's the button. You just hit grab this spot. Um, You'll be able to come on video and uh, ask us some questions. You can also drop... You can also drop some questions into the chat and we can read them off too if you're not comfortable jumping on. Yes. Until somebody jumps on or leaves us a question, let's go ahead and talk about a, the, a little bit more about the film. We were talking about some of your just some of your favorite moments and stuff like that. What do you think was one of the performances that don't get a lot of attention like everybody talks about Qui-Gon uh Obi-Wan everybody talks about Palpatine but what is some, what is a subtle performance that you think really stands out to you in this film hmm. I think subtle performance well so I don't know if this counts so I'm a big Kit Fisto fan and in uh I think it's episode two at the Battle of Geonosis he gives that smile and you get to see a little bit of Kit Fisto is the last member of the Jedi Council or last Jedi who go to um, arrest the Chancellor besides Mace Windu who survives. I mean, he doesn't survive for very long, but I just, I, I love um, um, Kit Fisto. And I thought that there's a few seconds you get of, of that actor is um, done. I think really, really well. 
for me, I think it would have to be Ayla's. Like, she isn't on the screen that much, but her, the, the actress who plays her, she does such a, such, a great, such a great job. You obviously see her on her planet. She's watching. It, the, the graphics, the special effects, I think, really stuck out to me. And the shock of her troopers killing on her, and her death was kind of sad because... The tro- troopers turn on her, and then the camera pulls out, and you see her die. You don't see see her dying, but but you see the troopers killing her with with the leaf covering her body. Mm-hmm, for sure. Well, and then in that Order sixty six moment, one of my I think one of my favorite ones. Like it's we, that's weird to say, but Kai Imundi. It's so he like they're on that snow planet, and he turns around. And he's like, "Come on, let's go!" And he turns his back to him and runs. And because he thinks that they're running with him because every other time they've run with him and then he like they stop and he just turns and it's like, oh, my gosh. I also think it showed the brilliance of Palpatine that Order 66 was done by Chip, so it couldn't have been sent through the Force. So Order 66, when he executed it, it was a turning on to the, uh, the Chip, so the, the, so the Jedi couldn't see it coming because they couldn't sense it, where if you were trying to plan it, they could sense it through the Force. So the, the, the Chip was just more brilliant by Palpatine on its execution of Order 66. Mm-hmm. For sure, yeah. Uh, and and even like so up until that point, like I was a you know fan of Commander Cody because he hands Obi Wan back his lightsaber, and is like, "Here you go." You know, I forget the exact little quip that he gives. And then like oh, five minutes later, he's like, "Oh, shoot him down." I'm like, "Cody, how dare you? How dare you?" Like it, it's it's a weird like dichotomy between loving all the clones and then hating all of them but then we find it out with the chip it's like not their not their fault john brought up the kit fitzel in the clone wars micro series and that's actually a good thing to point out because i grew up with the og clone wars shorts i love that in it's the first time and it's a kind of like a double-edged thing because we did get it, but it's quote-unquote not canon anymore. Mm-hmm. I would like to see the battle of Coruscant in canon portrayed. If not canon, at least we can still enjoy it, but the battle of Coruscant, I think, is one of those things that has yet to be explored that I think if they did explore it would be quite amazing. And if they don't explore it, I mean, you can just go and watch it with the original Clone Wars show. Right. Um, I didn't watch that one as much. The thing I remember, I had a friend in college who kind of introduced it to me. So I think we sat down and watched all of it just the one time. And I remember enjoying it and we didn't, but I never, it was nothing that I picked back up a bunch of times. The thing I remember is um, the braid, the Padawan braid, Anakin giving his Padawan braid to um, Padme. And I see Steven threw a question out into the chat. Excellent question. Would you like to see the Battle of Coruscant from the point of view of the Martez sisters from this last season of the Clone Wars? So Jedi Geek Girl, I'll have you answer that one first. Oh my God, you you were reading off the questions here and I was trying not to interrupt you. Absolutely, I think that would be so incredible because so often these battles happen. We usually see them from either side of the conflict we don't see them from the civil side so could you imagine the sisters watching this you know because obviously they are like 
they are not at the top level, but maybe somehow they are up there and they're witnessing, witnessing if they see this. I, I think it would be awesome if, if they wanted to explore it to do the Battle of Coruscant in a one-shot Clone Wars movie. That would be... That's a really great idea. And what's I find interesting about that question is given um, their change in perspective on the Jedi after meeting Ahsoka, how I'm so curious to see what they would think of the Battle of Coruscant, given it's a battle like between you know the Jedi and and um, the Separatists, if they if their kind of change of heart about the Jedi after meeting Ahsoka still holds true. Or if they kind of are like, oh, well, Ahsoka was just, I guess, a very unique Jedi. And yep, this is this is how they are. So it's 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 interesting. It makes me Great. wonder. It makes me wonder that they don't want to re-explore it because they want to honor how it was portrayed in the Clone Wars. So even though that version of events is not canon, they still want to honor it. Kind of like what Favreau is doing with the Mandalorian and the Lord there. He's trying to tell his own story without stepping on things that has come before, even though technically he could because you have canon legend. So maybe they don't want to step on that story. But I think it would be nice to for them to explore even more because as wonderful as that story is in Clone Wars, uh, with the Battle of Coruscant, it is, it, it's not that long in the in the whole thing. I, I think it's like, just that part is what, maybe 20, 40 minutes of just, just the Battle of Coruscant? Mm-hmm. So, but so, so they could expand upon it. Or if they don't want to touch upon it, they can do it on a different point of view. Okay. Um, I think there's another question here uh, from Jeffrey. What do you think of Battle of the Heroes as a battle theme compared to Duel of the Fates? Because ironically, they briefly used Duel of the Fates during the Anakin Obi-Wan fight too. That was the point I was going to bring up is I think that there are echoes of Duel of the Fates in that Battle of Heroes as well. So, but I'm a Duel of the Fates girl personally. Jedi Geeker, what about you? Don't make me pick both of them. <laughs> okay, I think both is an acceptable answer, but for for me, I'm I'm for sure a, I'm a jewel of the fates girl myself. But Battle of Heroes, I, is like, you know, third favorite maybe. I mean, I love Battle of Faith, but I think Battle of Heroes is a little bit more emotional mm-hmm. because you have the emotional stakes between Obi Wan and Anakin, and we didn't even talk about the lightsaber fighting in this. Mm-hmm. You have yeah. oh. you have Anakin versus Obi Wan. You have Anakin and Obi-Wan versus Dooku. You have Obi-Wan versus Sean Grievous. You have Yoda versus Palpatine. This, is, this film had the most lightsaber fights of any Star Wars film. Like, obviously, we know what your favorite one is, but what is your favorite of the lightsaber fights in this film? Oh, my gosh. I can't even... Yeah, I can't even believe we're this far in but like how, what that's such a testament to how great this movie is is we talked for like 40 minutes about this movie and didn't even get to the lightsabers so i am a anakin and obi-wan that is my i think that's my favorite fight of the movie and maybe my favorite lightsaber fight in general um the one from episode one with qui-gon darth maul and obi-wan they like they fight for each other as my top spot so i pick both of those as my favorite for me, if you know me, you know my answer. It is the Yoda versus Sidious fight. I I said before, Palpatine's my favorite villain. I love that fight because you have two iconic characters going toe to toe. And I remember 
watching it for the first time, I knew what was going to happen, but I didn't know what was going to happen. And I was trying to reconcile how is this going to down because Yoda cannot really kill Sidious. And so how is this going to go? And when the fight ended, Yoda at that point in time, to me, it seems like, why did Yoda, Yoda quit? However, looking back at it now, I can see that he couldn't push himself anymore without either failing and killing himself or giving into this dark side. He had to retreat in order to do what was best for the future of the Jedi. And, and for me, that really stuck with me. And even though Anakin and Obi-Wan, their lightsaber fight is at the center of the film, for me, it, it is always going to be Yoda versus Palpatine. Mm-hmm. For sure. And then Sharon posted a really excellent comment. She said, Dave Filoni's explanation of Duel of the Fates in the Mandalorian behind the scenes series that Disney Gallery we were referencing earlier was so critical. That song in the fight set the fate of Anakin. Did you, so you, you watch all the, what did you think of, of his, his comment there and his insights to that? I think it just confirms that Filoni is the heir to Lucas, that he understands the story of Vader and the Skywalker saga, especially the Lucas Skywalker saga. So for me, it was like, okay, tell me more, Filoni. I can see you here and I can, I'm like, okay, you talked about episode one and dive into the other ones. And I think it would be nice to have him talk about it, especially in the context of the Siege of Mandalore and tying that into it. But I do want to, before we head to a conclusion here soon, I do want to point out that at, this is a little embarrassing to me, but I remember not knowing Palpatine and Sidious were the same person mm-hmm. up until I think shortly before Revenge of the Sith. I'm like, okay, I know Palpatine becomes the Emperor, but I don't know how Sidious gets out of the picture. So it wasn't because I wasn't online. I wasn't into the fandom and stuff like that because I was really, I was, I was a teenager and I didn't have internet. But I just thought it was funny that I didn't really know that at the time. And it would be interesting for those people who watch episode one through three first, seeing that reveal of Palpatine and Sidious being the being the same person. That really has to be something. Oh yeah, for sure. Well, I mean, the movies played off really well. If you don't know, I mean, they there's some really beautiful foreshadowing but i don't think they're super heavy-handed with it and so it, it is always um I, I i miss that i didn't get to i don't remember experiencing everything for the first time so i can't you know always speak to like oh that's how i how i felt and i was shocked and everything and i did want to make one quick comment about dave filoni i know this is a star wars panel but i would follow dave filoni into Mordor like that's just you're right he he is kind of the the heir of of Star Wars to me because he you can tell he loves it and he understands it in such a really really beautiful way that I just he's great I see that Shan posted a question in our chat she asked didn't Lee and Neepshin not know about Sidious that I'm not sure of. I haven't heard if, if that's a story, I don't know it. That was actually, if that is true, that's actually kind of hilarious. Um, yeah, I, I don't think in canon, at least, I don't think he did know. I'm not sure oh. about Legends, but I did know, I do know that there, there, there was a lot of him manipulating the Jedi and Legends and Qui-Gon being a part of that. So I don't think he knew uh, yeah. about, about, about Palpatine. Right. And I don't think, um, I don't think, yeah, in, in, 
in Saga. I don't think Qui-Gon knew. Um, oh, John's going to pop on here. Maybe. Yeah, really quick. What did you guys think of the last shot in the, uh, in the movie like uh, with Owen and Beru looking out in the, into the Twin Suns? Beautiful. It was absolutely beautiful. It was so well done to bring it full circle from A New Hope to this. And you have the echoes of Luke looking at the twin sons. But instead of Luke, it is Owen and Brew with Luke. It was just its one of the best endings, in my opinion, because it brought it full circle with, uh, with it being something in the context of a story that fits. Mm-hmm. So I, I thought it was well done. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with, with Jedi Geek Girl. I think she said it, just bringing it all, um, bringing the saga full circle um, and, and kind of closing that that loop was just beautiful. And I mean, who doesn't love binary sunset? Like, and, and with that image of the, the sunsets on Tatooine, like, it, who doesn't love that? Unfortunately, we are now out of time. Thank you so much, everybody, again, for taking time out of your day to watch our panel. Jess, do you have any last words you would like to say about Revenge of the Sith? Uh, Just that I think it's great. It deserves to be celebrated. I kind of want to go watch it again right now. I agree. I love this film so, 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 so much. I wish there was more celebration going on in the fan community, but you know what? That's what this panel is for. And go watch Revenge of the Sith. And go watch it. Go watch it again. I love this film so much. Me too. So before we get out of here uh, and mention where people can find us, I just want to again like to mention that Force Fest is partnering with Make-A-Wish. Um, so if you can, please, just in the chat, there should be a link uh, to make a donation. Um, you know, give what you can. It's a great cause. Um, and they work to help a child's wish come true. Um, so link should be in the chat. And if people like us and want to find our content, Jedi Geek Girl, where can they find you? You can find me everywhere at Jedi Geek Girl. And you can find my website at iRebelDestiny.com. You can find my podcast by searching your podcatcher of choice by searching iRebel and our social media page at backslash iRebelDestiny. Our podcast soft relaunch will be happening in October. So please be sure to follow our social media pages for more info on that. Excellent. Uh, my panel, Faith and the Force, will be on the content creator stage here at 2.30 Pacific Time, uh, 4.30 Central. I live in the Midwest, so I operate on Central Time. Uh, so come on over and say hi to me here soon. Um, you can also find me on my website at www.faithfulfangirl.com. I'm on Instagram at Faithful Fangirl. You can find me on Facebook by searching Faithful Fangirl. Um, I'll be launching my podcast this Tuesday, September 1st. And the first two episodes are going to be available on the website. And I also want to thank our um, admin for the panel today. Jeffrey did an excellent job for us doing all the the techie stuff. Um, Yeah, that's where you can find me. Till we meet again, everyone. Thank you again so much for tuning in. Stay safe and may the force be with you. This has been I Rebel, a Star Wars podcast. I have been your host, Jedi Geek Girl. If you would like to contact me, please send me an email at irebeldestiny at gmail.com. And as always, may the force be with you.
Ivy Bell is an independent podcast, not associated with Lucasfilm, Disney, or any other organization. All copyrights for Star Wars and all other properties belong to the proper copyright holders.